everyone. You are listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. My name is Lee, host to this podcast and executive pastor at Grace Auburn Church. And today uh, on this episode, I'm joined by lead pastor Matt Dean, where of all things we decided, let's talk about disappointment. How do you live your life when things don't go the way that you want them to uh, without causing any spoilers uh, on this episode. Uh, this is also an episode where we talk about land and give an update that our members received several weeks ago in the form of an email uh, of just where we have been and what we have been working towards for the last 10 months. And our, our hope and prayer was to, yes, give an update on where we are in terms of a permanent location that we might build a long-term home for the family of Grace Auburn to gather in and worship in and raise up our children in together, but that it would also be a moment and an opportunity for uh, us to discuss, man, what do you do when things don't go the way you wanted them to? What do you do uh, when disappointment does come? Because we live, as Matt and I discuss, uh, we live in a very broken world. We don't have to look far to know that to be true, but God is God, and He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so even if our hopes don't turn out the way we want them to on a particular thing, or if we are looking for any number of answers to our prayers, God knows exactly what he's doing, and it's his will and his timing that we hope for and trust in. And so I pray and I hope and trust that this conversation will be encouraging to you in your own dealings with and in your own facing of disappointments in this life. You're listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast, and this is my conversation with lead pastor, Matt Dean. No one tells you that when you start a church, at some point, you're going to be sitting around wondering where, God, when and for how long are we going to be searching for a place that we could own, purchase, either retrofit an old building or build a new building that helps in some ways facilitate, foster real communion with God. And so for the last two years, as now a young church, um, we have been looking, seeking, praying, uh, working with real estate uh, professionals in our church body, asking the question, God, where next? As we think about this wonderful building that we sit recording this podcast in today. Um, an old women's gym has served us incredibly well for the first several years of the life of this church. Uh, over the last several weeks, uh, we have had many conversations, um, many conversations with the people of this church, many members, people who are showing up here for the first time. And we've shared some of the story to a certain extent of what the last two years of searching for our next step might look like. And we have um, knocked on doors, made phone calls, sent emails uh, to the owners of over 50 different properties in and around Auburn, as close to campus as possible, all spreading all the way out to the northern parts of town, the west, east, south, looking at anything and everything that might be a possibility for a growing church in this town. But real estate in this town is bonkers. Um, it is not like a New York or Atlanta. It's unique in its own way. It's uh, we live in the second fastest growing city in the state of Alabama, and the real estate market reflects that tremendously. Um, but over these last several weeks, over 
phone calls, one-on-ones, coffees, lunches, uh, conversations uh, around our hopes. Uh, We are, in so many ways, back to square one. In January of this year, our annual members meeting was held at the Auburn Hotel and Conference Center, and we shared then with the members of Grace Auburn Church exciting news of what we were hopeful would be a several-week process beyond that to close on a piece of land on the north side of Auburn. And after, oh man, nine or ten months of conversations and city planning and traffic studies and oh, well, you're actually going to have to do this, or not only are you going to have to do this for this road, but you're going to have to expand this intersection, and all of the back and forth and all of the round and round. Um, we sent an email out on August 23rd that, while disappointing, uh, was an incredible answer to prayer uh, from our Father in Heaven. The crux of that letter from our lead pastor, Matt Dean, read as follows. Two weekends ago, we joined in prayer on Sunday morning asking God for wisdom direction, and provision for land, future facility options for our church. We did indeed get an answer, just not one we anticipated. After more than 20 months of hard work and after being in a verbal contract to purchase land on the north side of Auburn, the seller changed his mind last week. For months, we have been working with engineers in the city on how to best move forward on this property, so this news came as quite a surprise. This is not what we expected, but we believe God is sovereign and trustworthy. So we asked, we prayed together on a Sunday morning, and he answered. Praise God. But how does our belief that God is sovereign and trustworthy, how do we hold that intention with our very real disappointment, whether it be about land or it be about anything else in life that we may be praying for, seeking God for, asking, pleading with God for? Um, how when we pray in a specific way for a very real thing that we have labored over for so long and we are disappointed, how then do we respond or how should we respond? And so I'm joined today on the podcast by lead pastor Matt Dean, and I thought it would be good uh, as the, the, for the two of us as we've had so many conversations around this one-on-one, you, you and I, um, also with our elders and with our pastors and all of our staff. Uh, to, to ask the question, has God, in fact, let us down? Is that even possible? How do we respond in faith? And so I, I'd love for the next few minutes for us to just have a conversation about real time, real state, where we are in our hopes and disappointment, and how we, how we wrestle with that tension with a God who is sovereign and trustworthy. I think it's a great question um, that a lot of people may be tempted to ask, and not really even about our personal circumstances as a church, but just in general, mm. when people pray for something specific and it does not go that way, the temptation is to think, well, God has let us down. I, however, get very uncomfortable with that thought because it's incongruent with what we see in Scripture mm. about the nature and character of who God is. Right. I think it's a fair human response to disappointing circumstances. But the truth is God has not let us down Mm. in any way, shape, or form, that God is good and always has been good, and we see that ultimate expression of his good to us in Jesus. Yeah. And so while, yes, circumstances can be disappointing, or a diagnosis can be disappointing, or the death of a loved one, or a loss of a friend, or whatever it may be, 
I think the enemy would love for anyone who's asking the question to aim their disappointment at God. Yeah. Whereas God says, come to me, mm. bring your burdens to me, yeah. and I will give you rest. And I think it's a very clear strategy for any disappointment in life for us to aim our disappointment with God rather at the fact that we live in a broken, fallen world, that's right. and therefore disappointment is not only likely, it is certain. Yeah, that's right. I think it was John Piper that said, and he, knowing Piper didn't say this originally, he probably put his very John Piper way of saying things on it, but that all of life, throughout all of life, there will be disappointments. And we tend to, as people, live in fear of all of the what-ifs. You know, what if this happens? What if he doesn't answer? What if this person doesn't show up? What if these scans don't come back clear? What if God never fill in the blank, right, of all the what-ifs? But I think he originally, when, he first, when I first read it, I don't know if it was the first time he said it, he was talking about it in light of a cancer diagnosis. And it was, you have to move from allowing all of your what-ifs to govern your life to even if... That's right. This doesn't happen. Even if the scans come back negative, even if he doesn't answer the way we want him to answer, even if those things are true, God is still the same. Absolutely. And has not changed and will not change. And so we wrestle with that tension in our own lives. And we can, I think we can personalize this, uh, personalize this in any number of ways. And as I started thinking through this conversation for you and I today, and as I started thinking through it being uh, just kind of a one-off podcast that hopefully over the course of the next few weeks, months, who knows, years from now until we have answers on where we will be for the long haul as a church, the Lord and His goodness for me brought Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 5 through 7 to mind. So Paul writes as he's wrapping up this letter, he reminds them, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I believe Paul is onto something here. Matt, I'd like to walk through this verse with you asking how the Lord is continuing to encourage you by his faithfulness in these days. Because not only are we working through where, when, and how will we fit the many, many people who have been members here for a long time and are still coming looking for seats at a table, um, we're also dealing with all of our own stuff. We're dealing with our own families. We're dealing with our own extended families. We're dealing with our own burdens, our own pains, our own um, very real anxieties, fears, worries, cares, all of these things. But when you hear Paul say at the very beginning of this, uh, in kind of the second half of verse 5, when you hear him say that the Lord is at hand, he is near, what does that mean to you when you think about it in, in, in tension with our disappointments? Yeah, I think if I go back to um, how we got to this conversation mm. and my posture in prayer and asking for the land on behalf of the church and um, direction and confirmation and provision and all of that, it, it has to begin with a place of surrender. Mm. And just before Paul says the Lord is at hand, he says rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. Again, I will say, rejoice. And that is a choice that we 
are invited into. Mm. And if we don't rejoice in the Lord, uh, then I think remembering the Lord is at hand is it's so difficult to do sometimes. And so that, that action of rejoicing in the Lord um, is the beginning point of seeing, yes, indeed, Lord, you are at hand, you are near, um, you are returning. And so when I think about walking through disappointment, what a great assurance that the Lord is at hand. Yeah, that's right. But again, it's that temptation to think, no, he's not. Yeah. The Lord, Lord, the, the temptation, the lie is, Lord, where are you? Yes. And, and we can see that in, in David when he writes in the Psalms, Lord, have you forgotten me? Do you, mm. Am I even on your map, on the radar? And of course, he's not forgotten us. Yeah. If God knows all things about everything for all time and all people, he is at hand and he knows our circumstances. And so I think to remember um, practically that for each of us, the Lord is at hand. Yeah. And we never have to doubt that or question that because we have the cross and we have the resurrection of Christ. So that is permanently in history for us to come back to and remember, mm. even if I don't feel it, even if I don't see it, it is evidently true in history, the Lord is at hand and he is here and he is with us. And if none of that is true, then the very next line makes absolute no sense. Absolutely no sense. But it, it makes complete sense on the, if we allow the cross of Jesus to right-size our circumstances. Yes. For Paul to then say, so don't be anxious about anything. So I ask the question, how, like in a world that is just littered with fear, worry, anxiety, how do, or why do we do that? How do we do that as the people of God? Yeah, I think in my own life, I'm learning still very much the, that invitation, rejoice in the Lord always, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything, mm. is that steady reminder more than anything else, He is who we need. That's right. And if we think that we can solve our problems on our own, we are not, in fact, rejoicing in the Lord. Mm. We are not recalling that He is at hand. And we for sure will be anxious about everything. Yes. Not just anything, but we'll be anxious about everything. Yes. But I think in that next line where Paul says, but in everything by prayer mm-hmm. and supplication and thanksgiving, let your hearts be made known to God. This is, this is how the verse works itself out, because if we do that, yes. then we have the peace of God. Yes. But if we do not do that, we, in fact, will never experience that peace that he promises. And so this... These verses of rejoice, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious, but bring to him that which is burdening you and bring it with thanksgiving. If we don't do that, yes. we will not have peace. That's so Even good. though he promises it, if we, if we do not make the choice to go to him seeking those things with thanksgiving, we will never know the reality of that peace of God. So I'm reading for the first time, don't judge me, I'm reading for the first time Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And she is telling the story, and they're at uh, what I think is going to be the final concentration camp that they were living in in Nazi Germany. And they are in a, in a set of barracks that were made for 400 women. There are 1,400 women in these barracks with—she gives all these details of just how horrid the living conditions are, and she's going through all these things, and she's listing off all these things, and her sister is with her, and she says, Betsy, isn't this horrid? And she goes, oh, I know, isn't it horrible for them? Mm. And she has this moment of clarity, this moment of peace that Corey actually equates, or she brings in this scripture specifically with their circumstances. She's 
deeply broken over her circumstances, and her sister Betsy is deeply broken for the people all around her, including the women in the barracks, but the guards specifically is who Betsy is talking about. And what a great privilege they now have because they've smuggled in this tiny Bible that they've kept under their clothes. They now have the privilege of being able to share the gospel with all of these people. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, if, if we can take just a, a drop of that, or if we can remember Paul's heart for the Philippians to rejoice always, remember Jesus is at hand, both in us by the Spirit and in his imminent return in his kingdom coming. And if, because that is true, we, have been, we can be commanded to not be anxious and bring all of these things to our Heavenly Father, then the beautiful almost A plus B equals C portion of these texts is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I want that so much. I desperately want that in my home. I want that for my children. I want that when they go to school and they're dealing with people uh, that may not be kind or you know, in, every, at every level, right, throughout my life, in my home, in our church, in my vocation, even just in my own soul, I want the peace of God that I can't explain apart from Jesus to guard my heart, guard my mind in Christ Jesus. One thing on, yeah, that, on that, the thought is I wonder if that's how he guards our hearts and minds mm. in Christ Jesus. What do you mean by that? Meaning that if we look at these verses— um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then that promise and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think experientially, yeah. um, that's how God guards our hearts and minds, mm. is as we bring to Him our requests. Lord, this is what we need. This is what we are praying for. As we acknowledge these are our needs, and this is what we're hoping for and praying for. We're mm. acknowledging that you are here. That's how I think our hearts are guarded and our minds are guarded, because we know from beginning to end we've given him our hearts, yes, and we've given him our minds. And so, I mean, to be candid with those of you who are listening, um, when on a Friday morning when Lee shared with me that the <laughs> land deal was done, I jokingly said, I'm so glad I just finished the sermon. <laughs> Because uh, that was that was disappointing news, and yeah. so it's not to say that this news is uh, not disappointing, but it is to say, mm. and I can assure you of this: in every elders meeting, in every staff meeting, and in, in our conversations, as we've prayed for wisdom and direction, I can say truthfully, I've prayed with a surrendered heart, yeah. and I've prayed with the outcome in His hands. And while I am disappointed that the seller changed his mind regarding that land sale, the outcome is still what I prayed for. Lord, this is your church. Mm. These are your people. These are your resources. And in a very respectful way, this is our opportunity to see how you are going to provide. And so, yes, I am disappointed. Yeah. But then I go back to, but Lord, I'm going to make these requests known again. We're out of space. Mm-hmm. More people keep coming. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing this by bringing these requests to you with thanksgiving and a surrendered heart, again, you're guarding our heart, that's and right. you're guarding our mind, yes. and that's called the peace that you give. It's through your Holy Spirit that is alive in us. And so 
I can hold intention. I'm disappointed and mm. somewhat burdened mm. for the reality that we're seeing on Sunday mornings, while at the same time, he's got it. That's right. And, and we're good. Yeah. I think what I, what I hoped this conversation would do would be, A, allow us to update uh, the people of Grace Auburn who, you know, maybe— Maybe you're listening to this podcast and you've been coming for several weeks and you're like, oh my God, is the goal just to see how many people fit into 720 East Glen? The answer is, uh, the, the goal is to be surrendered to Jesus. Yeah. And I think as a, as a people from the very beginning of this church's earliest days at Ross House and then at Trinity Lutheran and now here at 720 East Glen and as we think about what could be or might be next, we... We don't yet have land. Um, we don't have uh, anything known other than we are still worshiping at 720 East Glen, and we have Jesus. We have his peace, and for some reason that we can't explain, we have a very real guardedness that comes from him, a very, a very real peace that comes from him, a very real um, hope and trust in a sovereign and faithful God who says, hey, I'm going to do all the things. And I'm going to continue bringing you uh, through this life until either you come to me or I return. Uh, but while the land update was part of it, I really wanted to just have a conversation with you, my friend, about what does it look like in your own life um, to not be anxious? Because we're pastors, but we're men. We're first sons. We're second husbands and fathers. And then thirdly, we are pastors here at this church. And someone at some point today is going to let me down. It's going to let you down. I'm going to let someone I may let down. You, down. you have not let me down so far. <laughs> you might. I'll tell you. You can tell me as well. I'm for sure going to let someone in my home down there for sure. We, disappointment comes. And I think you said it well um, when you said that we live in a broken world. We live. You don't have to look very far or listen for very long in America to know that we here in this place, and we're not unique around the world of broken places. We are just in this one here and now. And so I want to end um, by kind of uh, reminding us of this choice that we have. Uh, we have, according to Paul, if we rejoice always and remember that he is near, and, to, and if we bring our requests to him with thanksgiving, we are in fact choosing to live by faith. But the temptation is the opposite, to live out of a place of anxiety or fear or worry or, God, what if you don't do whatever the thing is? And so um, however you want to land this whole conversation, how do you, Matt Dean, not be anxious? How do you put your hope, your trust, your faith completely in Jesus today? And I know you've talked about that some. But why don't you land us and kind of wrap this up with that idea? How do you remain non-anxious? Well, let me first just acknowledge that oftentimes I can be anxious, yeah, but not because I don't trust God, but because I struggle to slow down. And in the pace of life and ministry that I have, I think that's often a very real struggle for me is to slow down and to be still, um, just because of the uh, responsibilities that are on the table before me, but on my best days, mm. when I, I live in the reality of all that God has promised me, the best way I choose to not be anxious 
is if I can begin my day first by acknowledging all of my questions. Mm. And the more specific I can be with God in my journal, Lord, I am fearful about this, anxious about this, burdened about this, wondering about this, heavy-hearted about this, feeling sad about this. When I am specific before the Lord in writing, Mm. I have to write it out. It's not enough just to say, I'm struggling. I, I need to be able to say in my journal, I'm struggling with these very specific things because what I find mm-hmm. is that when I am specific with my struggle or my fear or the things that are burdening me, he always meets me in the word mm-hmm. with specific answers to my specific concerns and burdens. And if I'm not specific, then I just have this general understanding of God is good. Yeah. But the more specific I can be, the more specific he answers mm. my prayer. And so practically, on my best days, the way I can live in this reality of not being anxious is by being as specific as I can be about what is burdening me before the Lord. And to look in the Word, how does, that, how does the Word of God speak to my specific concerns? And when I look, I will always find his answer to me. Mm. Um, what does it mean for me, for me to put my hope and trust in Jesus today? It is to go back and to remember, if I don't rejoice in the Lord, I will probably rejoice in something else. Mm. I could rejoice in bad news, and by rejoicing, meaning I could rehearse it or retell it, or that if I don't rejoice in the Lord, I find that I can often rejoice in something else. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where Let's say someone did something that hurt you years ago. If you retell that story, oh, yeah. then you are rejoicing in the heartache from that story. Yes. And that's the trap we all fall into is it may not seem like we're rejoicing, but we are retelling the story of pain, disappointment, sorrow, fear, loss, whatever it may be. But that's why Paul's so clear when he says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice in the Lord. And so for us to rejoice in the Lord is to recall and remember who mm. he is and what mm. he's done. And, and so I think practically all of us are busy, yeah. but the wisest of us will slow down mm. and remember that he is good and that he is God. And I just come back to, if he knows everything about everything for all time, yeah. then it's not that I'm needing to inform God of the details of my life. Mm, that's right. But if I don't tell him, and if I don't bring to him the burdens I'm carrying, I'm still holding on to them. Yeah. And so if I want my heart and mind to be guarded in Christ Jesus, the process is then that I need to bring those things to him. That's so good. You are not informing him. You are confessing that he's the only one that can do anything about Absolutely. Them. Mm, that's good. To not bring it to him is to say, I'm still going to hold on to them. Yeah, it's mine. I can handle this. Right. Uh, well, we'll continue to pray. We'll continue to gather. We'll continue to worship. We'll continue to find another chair. Uh, we'll continue to trust, knowing that he keeps us, that he knows that he is for us. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. of the Grace Auburn Church family. Thank you for listening to the Grace Auburn Church podcast. 
If you'd like more information about partnering with us and our mission or ways that you can get connected, please go to our website, graceauburn.church. Thank you.